Amen, amen. Can we lift up a praise unto God? I said, can we lift up a praise unto the God, the one who created you, the one who formed you, the one who woke you up and put you in your right mind? Can we give great, can we give praise to the one? Amen, amen, amen. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Oh, it feels so good to be with you all this fine morning. Amen, amen, amen. Uh, I want to thank my brother, uh, Kelly Tatum. We have known each other since high school. All right, see, I, I had hair way back when. I sure did. That's not funny because you still have your hair, sir. That's, that's, real, that's real ungodly. Remember, we're in the house of the Lord. Just look real soft and like you put, you know, product in it and stuff. I, I put lotion on my forehead, it, you know. But uh, I, I want to give honor to my best friend. Um, we've known each other since high school. One of the things that actually made us so close in high school is because we had the same values. We wanted to be the same kind of men who were not drinking, who were not out partying. We wanted to go to school, work hard, and to honor God. So it's amazing how those kind of relationships sustained over time can produce so much. I see my God babies up front. I see my girl Zoe, who just had a birthday. Amen, amen. And my girl Jordy, who's amazing, who one day may be singing on the stage. We'll leave that alone right now. I'm just kidding. But she's, she's wonderful, and I love them. Um, we have so much work to do today, so can, if we can go ahead and just jump right in, amen, amen. It's an honor. My name is uh, uh, Charles. I get to serve as a pastor um, at the Potter's House, so I get to serve in that uh, kind of capacity, so it's just an honor to be here with you all today, but the Lord has brought me here on assignment, amen. All right, uh, go with me in your Bibles to the book of Genesis. Uh, for those of you who may not be familiar, the, the book of Genesis is the first book of the Bible. Amen, amen. I love this church because you're going to have so many different kinds of people who are here. I see my parents here, incidentally. Shout out to Elder Charles Guilford Jr., my, my father and the man I'm named after, my mother Tracy. God bless you. Love you all. Amen. I love this church because you have so many different kinds of people. You have some people who've read the Bible every single day and so many people who may be new to the Bible. So we always want to make sure that we're inclusive. Amen. Genesis chapter 50. Verse 15 through 21. If you have it, say amen. 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 If you're still looking, say, wait a minute. Now, now the clue, I'm kidding, but it, it's the first book of the Bible. Amen. If you don't have it, amen, we'll, we'll have it up there for you. I'll, I'll be reading it onto your hearing. All right. And the word of the Lord says, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? So they sent word to Joseph saying, for your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father. When their message came to Joseph, uh, when came to him, Joseph wept. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, in a twist of events, he said, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended harm to me, but God intended it for good. Turn to your neighbor and say, God intended it for my good. <laughs> to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you 
and your children, and he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Father, we come before you, Lord, thanking you so much for the opportunity to gather, to fellowship, to exalt your name, and to receive a word from on high. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would anoint these lips of clay. I pray, Father God, that it would be your voice and just my vocal cords, Father God, that I would be but an instrument, Father God, that you would blow, blow through and breathe through. Because there's somebody here who needs a word, Father God, either in this room or watching online. We pray in the name of Jesus, that name, that you would move today. In Jesus' name we all said, amen. I want to speak to you today from the thought, the hope of a nation, the hope of a nation. Amen? All right. So be, before, we, before we jump in, uh, first and foremost, we also, I, I made a mistake. Can we also pray for our Broncos? <laughs> Don't, y'all, see, some, that was, <laughs> some of y'all Pentecostal, that, that went real, up, real fast. <laughs> Woo! Okay, because it's real stressful. These games have been testing my nerves. Like, I've been needing, anybody else been needing therapy? Like, I got some billable hours, you know what I mean? <laughs> Woo! Okay, so anyways, okay, I'm serious. We really do, because, but okay, they're, they're, praying, they're playing in London. We're praying for them right now. Amen. Let's, let's get a touchdown. Let a wind, like a mighty rushing wind, like Pentecost, just throw off. Hey, hi. Hey, uh, throw off Jacksonville, Florida. J sorry if you're from Florida. I apologize. Because I, I felt it. I knew there was there's one. There's one. Amen. <laughs> but the reason why it's interesting when you think about football. Um, so so me and Kelly both or Kelly and I rather both played football. Any any former athletes in the building? Amen. Won't he do it? Won't he will? Okay. So the interesting thing for us coming up when we were playing football. Now my, my dad played football in a different era. Uh, and in time. My dad also played football. My dad uh, went both ways. He played running back on one way and then played linebacker on the other way. Now, back in the day, as they affectionately say, which I guess, Kelly, we're old enough to, like, people look at us and say that is back in the day for us. Uh, that's not funny, y'all. This is a changing of the tide, okay? When you get to a certain age, we're like, oh, I'm the one who doesn't know new music, you know? Like, I'm the one who, you know, genuine up there trying to, you know, work his leg, bless his heart. Um, but what's interesting is when we were playing football, uh, there was, there's different positions, and one of the positions is naturally quarterback. Incidentally, we're praying for our brother Russell Wilson, like we, like we mentioned, amen. But in practice, the, the interesting thing is, the quarterback, everybody else has the same color jersey, amen? Same color jersey, except for the quarterback. Quarterback has a red jersey. Yes, he does. And the reason why is because the quarterback is such an important position that the coach, the team, everybody wants you to know that you can smack everybody else. Hit them. Please do. Go ahead. Amen. But do not hit. You felt that. Some of y'all felt that. Okay. Amen. Do not hit the quarterback. The reason why is because if you hit the quarterback, the whole team's in trouble, okay? Um, that there's a real problem. You probably have to run laps. We had a coach that said things that I'm still trying to process through. <laughs> like, I still have some complexes about, you know what I mean? Like, uh, some of you athletes know what I'm talking about. But, but to that end, the, the quarterback was specifically marked as somebody who was distinct on the team. 
And for some, that, that esteems a level of value. For some, that esteems a level of wisdom around what you have to do. But for some, there's also a level of provocation of jealousy. Because when you're marked... Thank you. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. When you're marked by God, there's going to be one of two responses. Either people are going to celebrate what God has put inside of you and what you bring to the table and the vision that you command and that the things that you're able to see downstream, the, the reads, the extra studying that you have to do, the things that you have to prepare for in order to be prepared for leadership, or it marks you for why is her, why is she so important? Why is he so important? And, and I bring this up because it, it brings us to the text that we're going to be working through today because Joseph is a powerful character in the book of the Bible. You see, we come to the story at the end of the story. Amen. H have you ever had somebody come to your story at the end? Not, not, not during the times where you're struggling to, to, to practice your craft. Not during those private moments where you're struggling, as Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, in private that God would exalt you publicly. You, you're, you're, you're that person. See, there's a man in here that, that is actually a mentor of mine. See, 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 I met him when he was a senior vice president of HR at Comcast, but I didn't see him when he got that first job. I didn't see him when he was working his way through school. I didn't see him when he was looking up to God, wondering if he's ever going to be a person of significance, if he's ever going to make it, because people come to your story at the end. But, but I, I feel God saying, we've we got to take it back a little bit. We've got to take it back to the beginning where Joseph was, because there's some wisdom that we begin to understand about the journey of Joseph, because some of us are familiar with this story. You see, Joseph was one of 12 brothers. And, and, and his father, as the Bible describes, loved him. Loved him. You, you would think that the love of a father, particularly in the context and the society that we're dealing with today, because with all due respect, and I mean this with all love, fathers are not given the level of respect and honor that is needed or warranted because the role that we play in the household is so important. It's something that we recognize in Scripture because his father loved him. Ooh, the love of a father marks a child. Oh, the love of a father marks a child. See, see, see I'm, I'm actually a small Guilford. I'm a small Guilford. I am. I'm six foot, 220. Come play with me. My father is 6'2". This man's neck is 22 inches around. That's my thigh, Jesus. Walk around with a thigh neck, okay? <laughs> but, but here's the thing, growing up, is, is when I would walk in, amen, you know, hey, Charles. But when my father, who's that? Who's that? Does he play for the Broncos, Jesus? Like, who's this dude? Because when your father walks in, there's a different covering that is extended, and that's what happened with Joseph, is Joseph is a boy at the time that he receives this dream that we'll talk about. He's 17 years old, and what happens is his brothers get a little annoyed with him. You see, I, I actually have two jackets. Can I, can, I get, can I get the jackets out here, please? Amen. I, I want to show you something because in our understanding of Joseph, how many of you have ever heard of Joseph in the Technicolor Dreamcoat? Some of y'all have seen the play. My, my sister, who incidentally is one of the most gifted actresses, most gifted producers, one of the most gifted voices in the body of Christ, not just Colorado, nationally. She's exceptional. 
But what's powerful when we begin to understand different theater, different things in theater is we, some of you think that his jacket looked like this. Some of you hear Donny Osmond right now. <laughs> I see color, I see spark, I am a walking work of art in my dazzling coat of many colors. This is what we think. Sorry, I, I'm not even going to try. I'm going to stay in key-ish. <laughs> wow. Not my gift. Okay. This is what we're used to. Because we think that what marks you is something special. Something that is fantastic. Something that is incredible. Even down to the point, y'all ever heard of Samson? See, see, we think that Samson was get to the chopper, la, la, like real strong, big old swole dude. But, but when God marks you for greatness, wouldn't it be foolish for us to assume that it's something that you can see as opposed to something that you can't? Because oftentimes we reduce the gifting that we have on our lives down to things that people can see externally. But when you begin to study the text and you, when you get into study the Bible, the, the, there are certain translations that would suggest that his coat was not even technicolor. That it wasn't this fantastic thing that in fact, it was a jacket that was nice, but wasn't that special. See, this is why I love preaching and I love this church because we study in this church. We study in this church. The, the, the problem as a preacher, incidentally, is if you teach people that it's the fancy things that people can see that makes them have envy for you, then they struggle with the reality that there's nothing particularly special about me on the outside. But on the inside, there's something discernibly that God has put on the inside of me. And that all of the trials, the tribulations, the difficulties, the haters, all the things that are mounting up against me have nothing to do with what you can see, but everything that is on the inside of me in seed form. There's something on the inside of me that they know is about to sprout forward. There's something on the inside of me that's about to raise up into a level that you can't even imagine. And this is what made them hate Joseph. You see, they hated Joseph not because he was so fancy, but because there was something about the way his father loved him, favored him, and then marked him. You see, in Genesis chapter 37, verses 3 and 4, that's when he is given a robe. And immediately after he is given a robe, he is given a dream. Mm. See, there's a process that God follows that I think is going to be helpful for somebody today. Because what God often does is he first distinguishes you before he gives you a dream. See, there's a difference between distinction and a dream. See, Joseph is marked as somebody who is distinct by the jacket that he is given by his father. And then there's later a dream that happens. Have you ever been in a season in your life where before God speaks something to you, he does something publicly for you. You don't even know necessarily what's on the inside of you. You just know that there's something different about you, and God uses that moment as a way to give platform to even just give you the possibility 
of being open to receive a dream. That's a word for somebody. God has been doing something in your life and in this season of your life where you haven't even gotten the word yet. You haven't even gotten the dream yet. But what God is doing on the inside of you is distinguishing you. You just started that job and they're talking about promoting you. You just got this opportunity to move into a house and you didn't understand that you would be approved for credit. You have no idea all the things that God is doing because God, in little ways, I call it little blessings. Little blessings, just little breadcrumbs. Have you ever been to Costco? See, some of y'all, some of y'all, you need to repent because you came in hungry. You didn't want to get the $1.99 pizza, Jesus. You just came back for all them samples. Yes, you did, Jesus. The, see, the sample is just enough, you know, you know, to give you a taste, not to fill you up. Unless you're kind of greedy. I'm not, I'm, I'm being greedy. I ain't gonna lie. I was like, that's good. You got, ain't nobody else came in about five minutes. Let me get those. You gonna, you gonna throw them anyways. But the point is, little dreams are things, or little blessings are things that God does, does to satiate your appetite. Amen. See, see, when we were growing up, my, my father would drive us in neighborhoods that we didn't live in. Now you could probably get reported for that. They got ring and all those other, don't, careful with that. Don't do one of these, Lord Jesus, if it's mine. Don't, don't, they, 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 the ring gonna get you. The ring gonna catch you. They gonna, they gonna report it. It's high resolution too, Jesus. But, but, but my father would take me to different spaces. Little, little blessings little samples, little things along the way that, that began to open up just even an appetite for what God would do in my life. And that's what we see in Joseph is he's marked with distinction. And now because he's been marked with distinction, he's ready for a dream. But what happens when you receive a dream that those who will eventually benefit from it initially hate it. I'm sorry, I'm, all, I'm only talking to a few people right now. I, 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 I feel we're we talking to some folks. What, what, what happens when, when, when God blesses you with the dream to move from this neighborhood to that neighborhood or to go get this degree or to move into this space or to choose this career or to, to, to pursue this craft? And what happens when God gives you the dream? that later will become the very blanket underneath which everybody else around you will sleep. But initially, because you've been marked, because you've been distinguished, people can't receive what God has put in your heart because they haven't been marked in the same way yet. So my Bible scholars understand why I said yet. Yet. Because each one of these brothers plays an important role. But understand, point one being distinction before dreams. You've, you've got to be ready for God to distinguish you before he gives you a dream. And some of you are at that phase of, of, this, of this developmental thing that God is doing in you. But the next step is process. You see, what's powerful and unfortunate about the circumstances after he's given this dream, where basically what is explained is all of his, the, bless his heart, okay, discernment, okay, when you, when you explain in a dream where everybody else is going to be subservient to you, pray tell, you know, like, don't say that. <laughs> Just say, Lord gave me a vision about increased influence. Don't say he's going about me, you 
don't bow to me. You too, daddy. Okay, sorry, you know, if you grew up in the neighborhood, like, you know, like, come on now, there's some things you just don't say. There's a whooping you don't have to take. But the point is, <laughs> what happened was he shared the dream, not once but twice because God gave him two dreams. Interesting that the Pharaoh would later have two dreams, but that's a separate issue. But the point is, what happened after this is the brothers burned with anger over what was shared with them about what would take place in those dreams. And so they saw Joseph off in the distance. Poor little Joseph. Say poor little Jojo. Poor Jojo. Bless, bless Jojo hard, Jesus. He's 17 years old. Maybe just got his permit, you know, his license maybe. Whole, you know, took an SAT, ACT, ready to go off to college. He had dreams and pursuits, Jesus. What happens is Joseph off in the distance. Hi, brothers. The Lord has favored me. I've got amazing coat. You know, Donnie Osmond. But then his brother's like, here comes that dream. I don't know why I like embody Charlie Murphy. Like, here he come now, you know? <laughs> That's my boy. But the point is, they plot against him to kill him. Because some t- it, it, in my opinion, call me crazy, it, it's not a God-level dream if there's not something worth killing over it on the other side. Because the enemy is something who, who seeks to steal, kill, and destroy. And he seeks to steal, kill, and destroy things that come from God. So if you're facing that kind of attack, be encouraged because it would suggest to you that it's a God-level dream, that it's a God-level vision, that it's something that God has put on your heart. That's why the enemy would attack it, because it's something worth attacking. And so his brothers plot against him. They sure do. They say, all right. What we going to do is we going to kill him. So, <laughs> I mean, that's, they weren't playing around. Like, they, 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 this, 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 this is Old Testament stuff. They, they're, they're not, they, they meant that thing. But what happens is Reuben says, no. Let's not kill him. Let's put him in a pit. See, Even though the enemy may plot to kill you, God will always raise up somebody or something to stand in the gap. Even when you, from afar, have no idea what you're walking up on. And that's a word for somebody. You've been walking up on something, not even knowing what you're going to walk up on. But God has already laid up, raised up a standard. God has already raised up a hedge of protection. And not only did it happen with Reuben, it happened with Judah. Because Reuben said, let's, let's not kill him. Let's, let's put him in this particular space. Judah is the one that said, why don't we sell him into slavery? Why is this important? Because if you study these two gentlemen's names, Reuben means behold a son. And Judah means praise. Behold a son. Praise. Behold a son. Praise. Some of y'all feeling where I'm going with this because out of the out of the tribe of Judah would come the lion of the tribe of Judah. That would be the place that our Savior would come because behold to us a son is given, a son is born unto us, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. Praise, O ye gates, ye everlasting doors, and be ye lifted up because God will always make sure that no matter what you're walking up on, no matter what you're walking into, that Jesus will be the standard that will protect you, that Jesus will be the measure with which you will have success. But Joseph, poor, poor Jojo, poor 
with JoJo. He sure did. He probably got the jacket like fresh out the dry cleaners. Show did. Hi guys, I'm so happy to be here. Ah! Like, so they, they attacked this brother for real. <laughs> Woo! Okay. This is some old school, you know, kind of, you know, back in the day kind of fights. These fights are a little bit different these days, okay? You know, but point being, they took Joseph and they took his jacket. They took the thing that marked him and then dipped it in animal's blood and took it back to the father and said that he is dead. And so Joseph is in a season where everything has been taken from him. The decor, the mantle, the thing that distinguished him. But what's important is not what you wear. It's what's on the inside of you. Because even when they were putting him in the pit, Joseph decided that he would not become bitter, he would become better. Because Joseph had a choice when he was sold into slavery. You could be angry, you could be hateful, and here's the thing that's important because culture will tell us that all of those things are justified, which they are. It's important to embrace your emotions. It's important to have emotional intelligence to understand where you are. But God, as you're processing through the very real traumas, as you're processing through the very real hurts, as you're processing through the things that have been to you, but God, there comes a point in time where when everything that you've gone through has got to be processed, got to be dealt with, I'm a huge encourager of counseling, blessed Lord. If you are not in therapy with a Y, with a degree on the wall, okay? <laughs> Somebody who's certified, state checked. I encourage you <laughs> to do that. Sorry, for the, I am, am sorry, it's just, it's just me. Just, you want a degree, because the Lord, no, mm, okay, I'm, I'm good with that. The Lord has some spiritual counsel, gonna be wrong. But like a topaz, thank you, where she's credentialed, thank you, Jesus. Okay, but the point is, do not allow the trauma of your past to become the theology and the doctrine of your present. There's a distinction between pain and then practice. And a lot of us, if we're honest, our pain informs our practice. And it becomes the methodology with which we live. The Bible says that we should not allow anything to exalt itself above the knowledge of God. And oftentimes we reduce that to the demonic, to the spiritual, and to the other stuff. <laughs> But what if we filtered it through the lens of, God, yes, I went through this. Yes, I went through the heartbreak. Yes, I went through the loss. Yes, I, I went through the death. Yes, I went through the foreclosure. Yes, I went through the bankruptcy. Yes, I went through whatever I went through. But God, somehow, some way, all things work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Some way as I'm seeing my counselor, some way as I'm praying through this pain, some way as I'm creating more healthy barriers, some way, I don't know God, but you're going to use this in a way that's going to process me. But can I tell you something? <laughs> the thing that messes a lot of us up as believers is he's sold from his community, his culture, into worldly. 
we grew up in the, I grew up in the time, remember, worldly. These jeans is worldly. They're cutting off my circulation too, Jesus. They really are. Sorry. <laughs> I tried to be hip. <laughs> Shirt too tight. Can't barely breathe, Jesus. I'm up here doing the Harlem Knights breathe, okay? <laughs> it's a true story. Wow. Okay. But the point is, oftentimes, when we look at our lives, we don't get blessed the way that we expected to. Because we should have been blessed in our Father's house. And it was the very place that we were moved from. So what do you do when you're put in a pit by those who should embrace you the most and sold into people who should understand you the least? He was a Hebrew, Jewish, sold into Egyptian culture. Ra, Nak, all the Osiris, all of these different gods that they honored and worshipped. He sold into the exact space that should be the opposite of where he should thrive. And can I tell you something? The Lord told me to tell some of y'all. The reason why you're not prospering the way that you could prosper in this season is because you condemn the very resource and place and space that I've called you to to bring transformation. Because in your self-righteousness, you allow yourself to judge something that I'm going to use, that I'm going to put in your hands, put you in authority. How can you say that the lender will become the borrower if you are not in a position to lend? end. You curse the government, but you won't run for office. You talk about the leaders at your job, but you won't apply for management. You critique the social infrastructures and the seven pillars of influence and mountains. You say, oh, Hollywood is the place where the, we're built. Oh, that's Babylon. Unless you have somebody like her writing the scripts. Do you know how many salvations came as a result of the movie, God is Not Dead? And what if the kingdom of God, the salt, the salt has not lost its savor because we've just put ourselves in our own cute little jar and we shuffle ourselves from jar to jar, church to church, and we're not really growing the kingdom, we're just growing ourselves. We're not savoring environments that we're in because we have a space in our heads where if we're honest, we don't want to step out into the world because if you step out, baby, and you don't change it, are you really salt? Are you really light? Because it's a function of physics. And what Joseph does is he steps into a space and into an environment where he shouldn't be prospering, but he does. The Bible says that literally everything that Joseph touched was blessed. I mean, everything. It was so ridiculous. The second in command and the Pharaoh literally did not think of anything when Joseph was in charge. He was that good. She was that good. They were that good. We are that good. How many of you know what it's like when you show up to a job and your boss who ain't even, doesn't even really have to do their job because you're there? You got a Joseph anointing. How many of you have ever been in a position where even though it makes no sense that you're rising to the top and you're getting there and you're climbing and you're climbing, you just started here and you're already rising. You just started here and you're moving to the top. You may have 
a Joseph anointing. What do you do when you move to a different state that you've never been a part of, that everybody else who grew up there went to the right schools, went to the school district, and all of a sudden you are surpassing them in community leadership because God is raising you up. You may just have a Joseph anointing. See, that's after we endure the process of being thrown into something that we, we, we didn't deserve to be thrown into, but we were thrown into it nonetheless. I know you've gone through heartache. I know you've gone through pain. I know you're enduring things that are not fair, but God is just. Do not confuse the fact that because it wasn't fair, that God ceases to be just. And so God will move you from a position where the greater the abuse and the misuse, the greater the promotion. That's a word for somebody. Oh, I felt that. The greater your hardship, the greater the triumph. The greater the struggle, the greater the stuff. If you could just endure and allow your perspective to be changed and believe the God that you say you believe, that thing that worked against you will now work for you. <laughs> that marriage that you think that is over, if you would allow God to work it, that thing will work for you. That, that, that relationship, that family member, whatever it may be, if you submit to the process and just allow God to uh, um, change your heart and keep your heart and your perspective, then you move from process into promotion, which is exactly what Joseph experienced. But here's the problem. We thought that everything he had gone through was enough. Maybe I'm just talking to myself. <laughs> wow. Have you ever gone through something in your life and you thought it couldn't get no worse. You, you, you went through a hardship and it broke you and it crushed you. Everything about your identity, gone. The loss, real. The pain, real. The hurt, real and then something good happens and you're like prince of egypt i mean i'm just keep it 100 like i read that song is fire by the way boys to men that soundtrack i ain't that old y'all okay some of y'all look at me like i've never seen prince of egypt you're old but the point is Sir, that laugh was disrespectful, okay? Uh, you got your hair still. It's real luxurious. and I mean, man, you got a lineup. I got a reflection. <laughs> I have dreams. I have IMAX films. But the point is, you go through a season in your life, and you think it can't get no worse. And in fact, things are starting to look up for you. You get the job. You get the opportunity. You get the approval. Business is starting to pick up. We had a good week today in our relationship. <laughs> that grief that I'm suffering, I'm starting to feel maybe a little bit better about. And then another test. Joseph has stewarded and shepherded and worked and done all the things that he needed to do and has been trustworthy, has operated with integrity, and he's about to be thrown in jail. For those of you who are unfamiliar with the story, Potiphar had a wife. In Egyptian culture, he had several. <laughs> Quite a few. Uh, a lot. Because they, whew, Lord, 
a lot of baby oil and weird stuff. But the point is, <laughs> sorry, forgive me, Lord. <laughs> That's why I preach once a month. Okay, but <laughs> consecrate yourself. Okay, but the point is, <laughs> what happened was Potiphar's wife made, and because there's babies, made a, an advance towards him. Amen. See how grown for you. You know when you're growing, like, baby, they went right over your head. <laughs> Made an advance towards Joseph. Because Joseph, I mean, Joseph, Joseph wasn't just, you know, like, I'm really smart. Like, Joseph been hitting them weights. If the Bible says you built, you built. <laughs> okay? Ooh, we're going to leave that there. Uh, some of you ladies, what do you look like? Stop it. Flesh, 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 okay? Flesh, rebuke it, bind it, okay? Stifle that, okay? The Lord is, he's always watching, but he's like really watching in the house, the Lord. But the point is, he resisted. He said to her, this man has entrusted me with everything in his house, except you. That's country. That's country, sorry. My mom, she's from, she from Texas. We, we say, my dad say finna. Yeah, yeah. Vixen. <laughs> my dad say finna. <laughs> it blessed me so much. My daddy moved your true story. My daddy called, my dad called, you know the street, Yosemite? He called the Yosemite. That's, that blessed me so much. Sorry, I'm sorry to out you, daddy. Okay, but the point is, point is, what, what, what happened was, Sep her, the test is not what you are entrusted with. It's the thing that God draws parameters around. Ooh, that's a word. I felt that right there. God is speaking to somebody who's watching because you're going to be faced or being faced with a test that will determine whether all of the things that you've been working for will actually last. Because nobody would have known, okay? There's an old song, <laughs> me and Mrs. Jones. <laughs> My poor daddy. My daddy explained to me, like, when I was, like, in seventh grade, I was, like, this is, I was like, this is a groovy song? I grew up with all kind of old school music. And he said, son, it says Mrs. I said, oh. <laughs> I said, what y'all got a thing going on? <laughs> y'all know it's wrong. <laughs> but as much just, okay, sorry, this is not. <laughs> this, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Some of y'all had y'all hear that, that little horn in the background right now. <laughs> Praise the Lord. We are talking about God. Um, what happened was he resisted her and he ran. And she grabbed. She she said, she said, Versace on the Okay, she she tried okay. She grabbed the jacket as he ran. Because there's some things that you got to run from. See, see the, the problem with the church, with all due respect, is, is we've taught you impractically. We've taught you that if you have enough Holy Ghost, oh, I don't even have it. We pray, take the taste from them, Lord. And don't get me wrong, that's true. I have seen drug addicts who are prayed for and laid hands and no longer have a taste for drugs. But what I've also seen is, if you know, <laughs> woo, Bible says that wisdom will pre preserve you. I, I am a married man. Shout out to my wife watching. 
how you doing? How I look in these jeans, even though they cut off my circulation. Okay, I, I, they for real. Like, you got like a femoral. Was it a femoral artery? Yeah, man. It's, like, it's kind of important. Um, as a community leader, because I straddle the fence between the secular and the sacred. At 11 o'clock, no matter the gala, the soiree, President Barack Obama could be there. At 11 o'clock, I leave. I leave. Why? Does your wife need you home? No, she trusts me because I've proven to be a man of integrity. But the reason why she trusts me is at 11 o'clock, if Prince could reincarnate and start singing Purple Rain, I might be a little a minute late though, I'm not because I'm kidding. But at 11 o'clock, I leave because what I've seen is nothing good happens after midnight. Because that's what my father taught me. My daddy said to me, son, nothing good ever happens after midnight. Ain't no deliverance service. Jesus was out. No, he don't, don't start. Please, please don't. I'm saying you can't intervene for people, but there's, there's wisdom that preserves you, and that's what Joseph had. But just because you exercise wisdom and integrity doesn't mean that the result that you want is going to be the result. The result that you want is the result that you get because she lied. Have you ever been in a situation where you made the right choice, you operated with integrity, but somebody lied? Something happened that changed the course of that event. Something unfolded that put you in a position that you did not deserve to be in. And Joseph, and I'm, wor- I'm working through because we're almost done. Joseph gets thrown in jail. And he meets two people while he's in jail. And he's serving a sentence. And again, here's what's frustrating. is they put the man in jail, he's so effective at leading, they put him in charge of the jail. That's just rude. That's rude. You ain't going to let me catch a break. Y'all gave me a horrible sentence. <laughs> I'm in here struggling, going to be here for life over a lie. And I got to work too because I'm just effective. Again, your emotional maturity and your spiritual maturity shows through. Because if you can't operate with a level of excellence and integrity in the spaces that you want to be in, then God won't trust you to operate in excellence and integrity in places that you want to be. And some of you are facing that test right now. You show up to the job, and if you're honest, you're not working as hard as you could. Sorry. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I'm, I'm going to leave out the back. Because you've decided that this position is too small for you. And because you've decided that this position is too small for you, you disqualify yourself for the promotion that you need to get to the next thing because it's too small for you. Too small. Because the Bible says, despise not the day of small beginnings. And what I found is that when we honor the spaces that we're in, God opens up the door that unlocks the next level of freedom. And what happens with Joseph is he translates a dream for two people. One of them had a good one. The other one, not so much. That was a little bit rough. (laughs) You going to live and, well, (laughs) may the Lord watch (laughs) between me and thee while we're absent. One from another in Jesus' name. Ooh, go rest high on that mountain. But the point is, he interprets the dream of somebody and says to this dream to this person, "Don't forget me when you go to the Pharaoh." Have you ever helped somebody and they forget? <laughs> Ooh, they forget. How many of you are that person in your family? When everything goes wrong, they turn to you. 
and you drop one ball, don't send one message, don't do one thing right, and everything that you've done is forgotten and thrown in your face. It's a hard place to be in. And Joseph was there. The dude forgot about him for two years. He got out. He was a cupbearer. So he's serving Pharaoh every single day. Because as a cupbearer, your job was to... You ain't going to die. Drink that. Okay? That, that's literally what a cupbearer does. <laughs> Could you, that's rough. Brother, that's rough. That's a bad suit, by the way. But that's rough. But, like, he... <laughs> could you imagine... <laughs> That, that one was poison. He's serving the Pharaoh for two years and doesn't make any mention of Joseph. Joseph served this man. Joseph supported this man. Joseph is still running a jail that he should never be in, and he forgot. And God told me to tell somebody today that you think he forgot and so many preachers, we, we go in on that. You know, we for, he forgot. You know, how could you forget? People take you. Uh, yeah, don't get me wrong. People do take you for granted. But God. You see, what was happening is God knew in eternity that there was going to be a famine that was going to be coming to the land. And that, in fact, that famine would be starting two years from the time that Joseph gave that dream. And so, let's just go with this. If the cupbearer would have told Pharaoh about Joseph prematurely, and had his dreams, would Joseph have had a purpose in that moment? And what I hear God saying to you is, I know you've been delayed, but you haven't been denied. I know that you've been waiting for some time now. You've been hearing the dream. You've been hearing the thing that I told you that I prophesied to you because Joseph is 30 years old at this time. And the thing that took place is when he got the dream was 17 years, 13 years in between the prophecy and God beginning to move him aggressively into that space. But what happened was a need arose. The world will always provide a need for God's people. The world, that job, your relationship, your family, that business, whatever space that you're in will always provide a need for what God has put on the inside of you. The question that I have for you is, are you going to try to force it prematurely? Because if you force it prematurely and start moving out of Kairos and start moving into Kronos, then the divine timing that God has on your life will be thrown off because you decided to help yourself. Be still and know that I am. Amen, amen, amen. So, so the Pharaoh has a dream. And we can talk about it, but basically it's some things start growing real good like, other things start dying bad like. It's a little Southern, sorry. Just a little translation. <laughs> but what happens is, the Pharaoh is disturbed by this, and he calls for his normal resources. Again, he's in Egypt, so, you know, they're mixing potions. You know, think of Prince of Egypt, look like Kool-Aid, you know, just, you know, and nothing's working because there are certain things that only work in the presence of God. There's only certain interpretations, certain revelations, certain solutions that will be presented that are God-like, and what happens is they call for Joseph. The guy says, oh, my bad. He literally says in scripture, <laughs> it's so messed up. He said, I have wronged a man. That's the kind of NKJV. I have wronged him. And he said there was a cupbearer. There, there, was a, there was a man in the prisoner, a Hebrew, 
that told me my dream and interpreted it, and he can interpret yours. And so the Pharaoh, making no haste, King James, says, bring him to me. And what happens is Joseph comes up to him and the Pharaoh and says to Pharaoh, tell me your dreams. Pharaoh tells him, I've heard that you have the ability to interpret dreams. Joseph corrects him. He corrects the Pharaoh. Okay. Back in that day, if, if I put, if I put my, sep- if, if you walk up, if you roll up on me <laughs> and I'm King, Kang with A, <laughs> sorry, we, ludicrous, probably, sorry, flashback to high school again. But the point is, if you roll up on me and you don't have that scepter extended, you're dead. And to disagree with the king was death, especially in his royal court. But Joseph disagreed. He said, I don't interpret dreams. It's God that gives the ability to interpret dreams. Footnote, whenever God brings you to a place of prominence, don't forget who brought you there. Don't you bring a curse upon yourself. Don't you bring pride and ego into that room and into that space because the same God that kept you is the same God that will keep you. And the same God that will keep you is the same God that will give you the ability to interpret the dream. And the same ability not only to interpret the dream because Joseph interpreted it, but here's where promotion was found. It wasn't in the interpretation. It was in the solutions that came afterwards that he advised the king about. And I hear God saying to some of you that God is going to move you into a position of where you are going to be able to speak to kings and not only reveal things to them, you're going to give them solutions for things that without they would not have. And what ends up happening is Joseph goes sharing what the strategy should be. The king, the pharaoh, appoints him over the entire economy of Egypt. God blessed Egypt so much for seven years that the harvest was so bountiful, they literally stopped counting. It was that plentiful. And then what happened was the seven years of famine came. Footnote, do not wait for famine to be prepared for it. Amen. The average American has about $400 worth of savings, saints and friends. Do not wait for famine to be famine ready. The wisdom of Joseph was in times of abundance, he saved. In times of lack, he was able to manage off of what he saved. Separate issue altogether. But what ended up happening was his brothers come up to him and he discovers that his brothers are in need because they are in the part of the famine. Joseph is about minimum 37 years old right now. And what happens, a lot of things, but wrapping up, Joseph goes through the process of seeing the very people that betrayed him come before him in the fullness of everything that God spoke to him when he was distinguished and then given a dream. So in a moment like that, you have an opportunity to flex. In a moment like that, you have an opportunity to exact vengeance. In a moment like that, because Pharaoh ain't checking for Joseph. 
translation for those of you who are not familiar with the cultural um, ideology or the, the phraseology. Uh, checking for is a translation which, which suggests that uh, there's no more oversight that is needed for said Joseph because Joseph has proven himself to be such a good steward of resources that therefore implicit to, the, uh, to his, his wisdom and his ability to manage resources that he is trustworthy and therefore needs not management or micromanaging. Sorry, I had to do it. Okay, had to get that in. But what happened is he saw his brothers and instead of being bitter, he was better. He actually missed them. Imagine that. The people who betrayed you and hurt you, your heart is in such a place where God has been so good to you and so merciful to you that you don't take the vengeance that the world would say is yours. The Bible says the vengeance is the Lord, Lord's. He didn't take it. And what's powerful about this, and I'm wrapping up, is if Joseph had taken vengeance on his brothers, 12 brothers would not have become the 12 tribes. And those 12 tribes would not become 39 generations through which the lineage of Christ would come. And, and, and I hear God saying <clears throat> to somebody in here, the season that you're in, seventh point, is a season of wholeness. God is asking somebody in this room to forgive. To forgive. What good is it if you have all the success in the world? What good is it if you're second in command? What, if you're, what good is it if you're balling out of control? if that stuff is still in your heart. Married, but not walking in forgiveness. A friend and holding on to bitterness. A person who claims to know Christ, somebody who implicit to him is forgiving of all of our sins. But we draw a line of distinction for where we're willing to forgive others. This is a season of wholeness for you. Because let me tell you something. Joseph, the way that this story could have ended is Joseph could have been lauded in Egyptian historical books as a good guy. They would have recognized him as a good steward that got Egyptian people through one of the hardest times in Egyptian history. But we read about him in our Hebrew written story, our Jewish story, because the Jews were able to live on because of a moment of decision that he had to forgive. I don't know who this word is for, but if you're walking in unforgiveness of others or even of yourself, you have no idea what is connected to that forgiveness, what is connected to God allowing wholeness to come into the inside of you. Because if you don't do that, beloved, you'll be accomplished, you'll be achieved, but you won't bring about the generational transformation that God has purposed in your life. You see, what we mistake with Joseph is that favor is a gift when it's not. It's a perspective. It's how you see things. Don't disqualify yourself and, well, Joseph was just cold with it. No, you could be equally as great in your own way. God may not be asking you to run a national economy. He may be asking you to run a household. He may be asking you to raise that child. 
He may be asking you to break a generational curse. And the final thing is that God sent me here to challenge your perspective. Don't reduce this down to gender, to ethnicity, to where you grew up, what side of the tracks, your education. God is raising up people who are the hope of a nation. And you will start with maybe 12 brothers forgiving on that level, and God will expand it to 12 tribes and 39 generations. And Jesus Christ himself is able to come on the heels of this moment. So, Father, I just pray the name that is above every name. God, we talked about a lot of things today, but God, I pray first and foremost that we would lean into forgiveness. I pray, God, that that yoke that somebody has been carrying for so long would be broken in the name of Jesus. That the things that you desire to do favor being a perspective and not a mantle is something that we would lean into because, God, in these uncertain times, you need your people to stand up big and strong. So, Father, I pray a supernatural healing and forgiving in the, forgiveness in this space. Soften hearts, Father God, that have been made stone and make them flesh again. And I pray, God, for this nation. I pray, God, for our country. I pray, God, for our families, for our communities that Joseph anointing would raise up and take its proper place, that both wisdom and revelation would coincide together, Father, that both prosperity and saving and diligence would be a part of the same coin, and that you would raise up people who would stand for your standards even when it feels like your standards aren't standing for us in the way that we thought they should. We believe, God, that this time will be a time of increase and growth and promotion in ways that makes no sense for this, your people. In Jesus' name, amen.